0: Welcome to Muskegon History and Beyond with the Lakeshore Museum Center. My name is Pat Horn. On today's episode, we are going to examine the life of a former Lieutenant Governor of Michigan, who is also two-time mayor of Muskegon and was part of an effort to rewrite Michigan's Constitution. Today, we look at Henry Hobart Holt. Henry H. Holt was born in Camden, New York on March 27, 1831. His parents owned a farm and Holt grew up learning that trade, but also going to school. His family moved to Michigan when he was in his teens and Holt continued his education in Grand Rapids and ended up going to Union Law College in Ohio to become a lawyer, being admitted to the Bar Association in 1857. Once a lawyer, Holt moved to Grand Rapids and started practicing law there for a year before moving to Muskegon in 1858 and creating a firm. Holt was either a really good lawyer or a good politician because in 1858 he was also elected the prosecutor of Ottawa County which at the time included present-day Ottawa and Muskegon County. Holt was re-elected the following year, 1859, as well, by which point Muskegon County had been created. Holt would continue to hold the position of county prosecutor for four years in total. He also served as circuit court commissioner for several years. 1867 would be an incredible year for Henry Holt. Not only would he get married to Mary Rayner, his first wife, who sadly passed away the following year, but he was also elected for the first time to the State House of Representatives. As a representative, he served on the Ways and Means Committee, but he was also involved in the Constitutional Convention that was occurring in Michigan that year. In this convention, the state of Michigan's Constitution was being examined and changed to fit current conditions in Michigan. The last time it had been looked over was in 1850. Holt was one of a hundred delegates selected to comb over the previous draft to try and improve on it. In this role, Holt brought up issues such as what title a county clerk, who is also a register of deeds, signs with, both titles, clerk, register, or adding the phrase such as county auditors to clarifying words in a section. Exciting stuff, I know. Searching through the 1,700 plus page document slash transcript, I did find an exchange I want to share between Holt and a Mr. Needy. Holt reviewing the document took umbrage to a section that talked about to lay a motion for discussion on the table before the house as part of proper rules. Quote, I move to amend the clause to lay on the table by substituting the word lie for the word lay. It should read to lie on the table. Mr. Need responded, our proceedings are to be in the English language, and the expression to lay on the table is the proper one. To lay is an active verb and indicates some act to be performed. This discussion goes back and forth for another half a page like I said, a 1,700-plus page document for this convention. It's not exactly all a thrilling read. Now, if there are any English teachers out there, please do weigh in on who is correct in this argument. It seems like they did not change the wording to lie and left it as lay. While situations like this are easy to laugh at or brush off, important changes were also being discussed, including giving suffrage to African Americans. Holt voted in favor of adding African American suffrage to the Constitution, he preferred that it be a separate proposition on the ballot, as has been done in 1850. In 1850, the revised constitution had been accepted, but the separate suffrage clause had failed. For the 1867 vote, it was decided to include suffrage in the revised constitution, and if the constitution was approved by voters, so would African-American suffrage. In the end, all the work on the revised constitution would come to nothing, as voters rejected it by a margin of nearly 40,000 votes. Holt would continue his career post-convention in politics after being re-elected to the House in 1869 and 1871. In 1872, he ran for the office of Lieutenant Governor of Michigan and won. Unlike today, where the governor and lieutenant governor are on the same ticket, in Holt's day you voted on them separately, which in instances led to the governor and lieutenant governor being from different parties. In Holt's case, both the governor, John Bagley, and himself were Republicans. In 1874 Holt and Bagley ran again for office and both were re-elected. During his time in office and after, Holt was very fond of traveling. In 1873 and in 1874, he traveled extensively in Europe, visiting many famous castles, palaces, and other locations. During this travel, he also picked up many quote-unquote artifacts that would later feature in a museum that Holt created. Among the finds included pieces from the Blarney Stone, Pieces from the Leaning Tower of Pisa, and pieces from just about all the famous castles and churches still standing in Europe today. You get the feeling he went around with a rock hammer chiseling away at anything that someone said was historical. He also obtained coins dating from the time period of the Greeks and the Romans. Another odd part of his collection was threads from the carpet of Frederick the Great. Not sure how he got that, but it was included. In 1875 and 1876, he spent some time in Turkey, Egypt, and the Middle East, during which he did more collection of various objects, including Persian books from the 1600s, Egyptian coins, and a piece of the Sphinx. This collection that Holt obtained was very important to him, and he had a separate room dedicated to it and allowed the public to come and visit his personal museum. He also made special stipulations about it in his will. When he died in 1898, His wife received ownership of the collection after keeping a few pieces for herself. She sold some of the most valuable pieces to private collectors and then gave to the Hackley Library many of the books and documents that had been accumulated. The majority of the objects were donated to First Congressional Church in Muskegon, who sold most of them to raise funds for the church. In all, the collection contained some 10,000 objects dating from Alexander the Great up to the present, At the time, there was talks of turning it into an actual museum, but that never did materialize. After this world tour, Holt returned to Muskegon to practice law. As a lawyer, Holt was known for being a desk lawyer rather than a trial lawyer, handling legal documents rather than court cases. In 1878, he was elected mayor of Muskegon. In that same year, Holt married his second wife, Catherine Hackley, who had been married to Charles Hackley's father. See our episode about her to learn more about her life. The two of them moved into Catherine's house, and Holt lived there for the remainder of his life. This house, known as the Hackley-Holt House, is still in Muskegon today and is directly behind the Hackley House. Holt would run for mayor of Muskegon again in 1879 and win the election. He would also run for the Michigan legislature and win a seat in the house for that year. Holt would run one final time for the house and win a term for 1887-1888. In his life, Holt ran for various offices 25 times and won every single time. A pretty impressive record. When Holt wasn't in office or working to keep himself very busy, he was a collector of history, and this included a passion for Muskegon history. He helped establish the Muskegon Pioneer Society, an organization in which he was the president of for many years, and he literally wrote the book on early Muskegon history called History of the Settlement of Muskegon, which is a source I have used many times in my research. Of his local history collection, he had many stories and letters written to and by famous Muskegonites, including many of the documents of Jonathan Walker, the man with the branded hand, as he was known. Besides serving on the Pioneer Society, Holt was also active in the Harbor Improvement Committee, the Chamber of Commerce, in which he was a director for many years, and was a member of the Muskegon Horticultural Society. Another tidbit about Holt that I found interesting is that both Holton Township and the town of Holton are named after him. Henry H. Holt passed away at home on August 23rd, 1898, at the age of 67. He had been struggling with an illness for most of that year. Through his life, he had loved Muskegon and had always fought for its rights on the political scene. After his death, he was noted as being loyal to Muskegon and being an active part in helping it grow and thrive. Thank you for listening, and we hope you join us for our next episode on September 2nd.